All right, today on the South CAC Seneca podcast, got a special guest, and we're talking time management, but not maybe the way you think, more around money and family. Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South CAC Syndicate podcast. Welcome back to the South CAC Syndicate podcast. Today, uh, don't have Jared in the house, so I did the next best thing. Actually, it may have been the best thing. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> I brought in, what, a two-time repeat guest. Yeah, yeah. This I is think gonna be so. three times on the podcast, right? I think it's 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 definitely a first. I think I don't even think we've had anybody twice. Yeah, well, it just means you went way, way, way down the list. Is that here, what, is here that what I it is? Am again. <laughs> so we got Brad Price in the building, subbing in for Jared. Jared is uh, on a business trip in Clearwater, Florida. I think he's down there for some meetings or something. I don't know. I'm sure it's all work. I, I'm sure we'll hear about it when he gets back, right? <laughs> So anyway, me and Brad was talking the other day, and I was kind of mentioned, hey, man, you want to co-host the podcast with me this week? And I was like, yeah, sure, I got some ideas. He's like, we should talk time management. And I was like, cool. And how time management in the, in the way of it relates to money, either making money or not making money, which is really what I'm after, not, not the time management like, you know, have your calendar full and have, do this and do that and be there and be here. Not that kind of time management. Time management more like, is it more valuable for me to do X or Y? And if I can pay somebody to do X and spend less time doing Y and make the same money that I paid, then it's valuable to me versus just taking care of X on my own, spending twice the time making, you know, basically making half the money, right? Is that kind of... Yeah, yeah. Well, from an entrepreneur standpoint, it comes down to how do you define what your most precious commodity is? And I've come to a place where I really believe that that's time. 100%. Because I can make more money. Yeah, you can't make more time. You can't make more time. Yeah. So if you're spending more time managing your money than you are managing your time, you're doing yourself an injustice. Yeah, I mean, I think... um, I really honestly think the secret to success is not trading time for money unless it's someone else's time. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. So there, that's, the, that's, that's the secret is quit tr- trading your time for money. Either build something digitally or whatever that can work for you when you're not working or like most people do it, you hire people, you sell their time at a premium. You know, you get a premium of what they do. So you know, for... If you hire somebody and you're charging for, the, for that hour of labor that your employee's working, you're charging $50 an hour and you're paying them $25 an hour, you're making $25 an hour, and it's not your time that's making that money, right? Right. That's correct. And I think, you know, in the digital world, it's kind of the same thing. The difference is the code or the computer or the whatever is the employee, right? Right. So you, you do some front load and then on the back half, they're, they're basically working for you over time. So cool. You know, I was telling... Telling Brad, I was like, this is actually a really good topic for me because I didn't really acknowledge the fact of time management when it comes to money until, I don't know, probably five, six, eight years ago. You know, previous to that, I just wanted to do everything myself. You know, I'm one of those guys that's like, nobody can do it as well as me. And I don't even know if it's that, if that's the case, because I'm not that good. But man, there's a lot of people that just kind of cut corners and stuff, and then I'm unhappy in the end. And I'm like, well, if it's going to be kind of half-assed, at least it'll be half-assed with me, but at least it'll be 
maybe one notch above what they would have done. Yeah, and you know you did it to the best of your ability, right. even if it's not as good as it could have been, you know, by somebody who yeah. does whatever it is yeah. professionally. So give me an example in your in your industry of time management that makes sense to you or that maybe you've learned. Well, uh, I'll tell you what started all this was just flipping channels, watching a video, and the subject of sweat equity came up. And I think that's a pretty common um, there's a there's a common understanding around that when you're talking about flipping houses or doing renovations on your own place, which was the context it was used in. But I started thinking about that from my from my business, from my life, uh, and I actually thought about you, and I thought about what you do with with a car, um, and how does that how does that relate? People use that term, and. I started thinking, so what, what's an hour of my time worth? And you really have to quantify that by what you'd be doing with that hour yeah. anyway. So um, I think that's really what started the whole thing. And I started thinking about from, from a business management standpoint, where do I spend my time in my business? What is it most valuable for me to do? And what is it not? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I've kind of – resign myself to this phrase, I'm going to do what only I can do. And if I can find somebody that can do it as good or better, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, It's a better use of my time to manage people. I'm an opportunist. I'm good at creating opportunities. I'm good at, at you know, identifying people with skills and putting them in a place. Finding needs and yeah. then finding the yeah. people to, to kind of uh, source, source the people that can meet those needs, I guess, is where you're talented Right, right. And of course that started in the church world way back way back when and still applies, but I've also begun to uh, apply some of those things to business. Yeah. And same kind of thing. Um, see a young kid with tons of talent uh, who probably could do it on his own but just doesn't have the means for startup and process to get there, then I'm willing to invest in that guy and give him a chance to do it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this goes back to the original subject. So at that point, I may put myself in a position where I can make, I'm just going to throw out some numbers, an average of $10 an hour to do nothing as opposed to making, you know, $75 an hour for me to actually be spend doing Spend that hour. What, that's yeah. right. That's you right. spending that hour to do something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, too, is I want people to kind of wrap your head around is, you know, you think on the surface level, you're like, well, $10 an hour versus $75 an hour, man, that's, that's a huge gap there. But if you hire, say you hire 10 people and they're all making you $10 an hour. Now you're at a hundred dollars an hour versus, and you're not doing, you don't even have to be there. You In just got to manage, you just got to manage 10 people. You got to manage the 10 people, yeah. which um, can be a job. Right. And you know, and I guess in a perfect world too, the, that gap wouldn't be that big. So what you would do for an hour at $75 an hour you know, they wouldn't be making you 10 more. They'd be making you more like say 50, right? Well, or, or, you know, some, say you, say you split it with them, you're making 35. So it's not 10. So the, the amount of people you'd have to hire wouldn't have to be 10 people to kind of combat what you would do in an hour. It'd only be like three. Right. So now you're if, only managing three people. Right. And if you kind of, if you kind of X out all of the other costs and we're only talking about labor costs, hourly costs, that kind of thing, you take out, trucks and tractors and yeah. materials and all of that, insurance then, and all then that. yeah, insurance, all that stuff. Um, yeah, for me, I think I got to a point where I 
I was doing a lot of things, and I can do a lot of things pretty well. But I realized that when I don't have margin in time to process, I tend to make poor decisions. Yeah, I think the same thing is true about money. I think margin in money gives you flexibility and, and Le- the, gives you leverage yeah, over the situation. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So same thing for me with time. I realized I was so busy that instead of making a choice about what I needed to be doing a week, two weeks, a month from now, I was just jumping on whatever was next and just kept churning, just kept churning, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but there comes a time where you start slipping through the cracks or you decide that it's not just about being busy and it's about being profitable. Yeah. And for me, that was a really big thing. I can do a lot of things. I can keep the wheel churning. I can, I can make it happen. But at the end of the day, am I being the most productive or ultimately the most profitable that I can be? And the answer to that was probably not because I wasn't even thinking about two weeks, three weeks, a yeah, month yeah, yeah. From you had that. so much going on yeah. at that particular time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot to be said too for burnout and all the other things associated with just churning nonstop, right? Yeah. You need some time to kind of figure out what's going on. Cause what happens too is, you know, when you get back to the whole busy, part you know a lot of people work to work yes i've heard that saying a bunch of times in the corporate world you know work to work you feel like if you're working you're busy it's always amazing though how you always get done exactly at five o'clock what you needed to get done that day (laughs) or it took exactly 40 hours to do all the things you need to do that week which tells you that you're not actually doing things you're just work to work like you're just work you're just churning that eight hours because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and we're we're c- kind of trying, I, I think, to define the line between someone who, and there's nothing wrong with either one of these things. Yeah. I, I'm not saying one's good or one's bad, but there definitely is defining line between someone who punches a clock, who has to go in at a certain time and leave at a certain time, versus someone who is basically everything that they do is either profitable or not profitable. Yeah, yeah and you need both in this world. You have right. to have both. It's right. a, It's a... You couldn't have one or the other, otherwise it would never work. Yeah, I mean, if if everybody had the same mindset, and you could apply that to anything, if everybody yeah. had the same mindset, the, the world just wouldn't work. So uh, both are beneficial. So let's talk just for a second about um, this idea of sweat equity, and we'll talk about the application of that in something where neither one involved in. And okay. then I want to ask you a couple of questions right. about your how you view sweat equity. Okay, All right. <laughs> So uh, let's take flipping a house, for instance. Okay. Um, so you you buy a house, X number of dollars, you have a budget of a certain amount you're going to put back into it, and then you have this target goal at the end of that that you're going to sell it for. Well, the gap between those two things is labor, and you either have to pay for that labor or you have to do it yourself. Right. So at the end of the day, is there value in sweat equity? The answer to that question, I think, is is yes. Yeah. Now, how efficient you are at that process really determines the value of those hours that you spent. Now, I will tell you this. This is kind of a caveat before we move on. Because I actually went through this exact process about two years ago. It wasn't on a house, but it was on a piece of property that I bought that needed some work. Right. And... I had, did about half sweat equity, half hire, hired out. And in that process, what I figured out was the value for the sweat equity for me wasn't the money that I was saving. 
it was the knowing all the inner workings of the building. And, you know, if this hose bust, where's it at? If that thing, where does that wire go if it gets cut? Like, I know all that stuff now. Right. Right, where I'd have to kind of figure that out. It's like back to your first podcast you were on, the cost of education. Yes. Right? So cost of education in everything that you do. So the way I looked at it was I wasn't necessarily saving myself a bunch of money by doing the work myself because it was kind of a pain in the butt, to be honest with you. And I think as I went, I actually hired more and more of it out. But I think I had, I felt like I had an idea of the inner workings of the building at that point. And I kind of had, I knew what I wanted. I already kind of done some of the stuff myself. And I was like, all right, <clears throat> I can let these guys finish it. I'll just pay them to do it instead of me hanging sheetrock, right? But I feel like that's where the value is for me on something like that was not that I was, because I was probably working for what I was saving. It wasn't worth my time. Right. But the things I learned about that building in the process was the valuable piece. All right, so. So would that, would that help you in the future? Like, would you, I feel, would you make a different decision or do you think you'd be more efficient if you went to do another commercial? Um, I'd probably do something very similar. Maybe not as much work. But see, I also know what it takes to do those things now. So when I go to hire that thing out the next time, I know how much labor it takes to do that. Yeah. So I know what a good quote is or a bad quote. You know, I feel like that's part of it too. Uh, you know, I didn't really do a ton of labor work. I mean, I did a bunch of wiring, hung some lights, uh, you know, did some demolition, stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, I could I learned myself what was behind those walls. I could see what was needed, what was bad. You know, if you hire somebody, you don't know, you know, if they go in there and do some wiring and then they put the sheetrock up, you don't know what's back there. Right. You don't know if they did a good job, bad job, where stuff went, if you wanted to change something. You know, I actually moved some some lights around in there and some switches and stuff like that. So I feel like I know everything about the building, even though now I didn't actually put up the walls or do this or do that. When something happens, when the tenant calls me and says, hey, this is not working, I can say, oh, I know exactly where that goes back to or I know how that works. Or that's, or if they ask me about something, I'll be like, oh, that's not even used anymore. Right. So I think I would do it kind of the same way. I liked, I like knowing Versus just having a contractor come in there and knock it all out. Because then you don't know down the road. You're like, you get a call. And unless you're really, unless you do a lot of buildings and you're really tight with your contractor. Right. And then you can just say, you know, if you were my contractor and, and you know, as good of friends as we are, if you did all my work for me, if something happened to the building, I'm like, Brad, this right. thing happened. You can come down and be like, oh, yeah, this is how it works. Right. And so then I don't need to learn that myself. And that's the benefit of, you know, that's the benefit of relationship in yeah, the yeah. business world. Yeah, that's the key, really. Yeah, if you're if you're shopping and money is the money is the most important thing, the cheapest job is not always the best job. Yeah, and developing a relationship with somebody is worth more than hundred percent. Somebody you can count on. Dollars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can count on and you trust. That's the biggest thing too. Is when you when you first establish a relationship, whether it's a guy that does concrete, sheetrock, building something, cars, building cars, whatever. Once you trust their work, that's a big thing. It's when you don't, you've never used them before and you don't know what you're going to get is where it really gets hairy. Right. You know? So I did this a couple of years ago too. Um, redid a couple of condos and. Um, you did a house. And flipped a house. Yeah. Kind, kind of. Um, <clears throat> it was a great learning experience. <laughs> kind of in what and, way that you didn't make money? Because you, you, you flipped the house. 
we flipped the house yeah. and was kind of square square at the end of yeah. it, which was okay. Uh, it bought me some time. I learned some things. Uh, just and just like you said, I realized that my time my time in uh, doing sheetrock repair is not worth me hiring somebody to come do it. So about halfway through the process, I was like, this, this is crazy. Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. This is crazy because the cost of education on that job was literally going to cost me money out of my pocket at the end of it. If I didn't, if I didn't figure something out. So, yeah. Uh, so made a shift and made some changes, uh, learned to do a little bit of sheetrock stuff enough to know what I can do. And ultimately which I think is the most important thing. I've realized where my defining line yeah. is on what I am not going to she do. She rocks like body work. Like you, anybody can spread Bondo and sand it. That's right. That doesn't mean it's going to look good when you're done though. That's exactly right. And I've seen good people do sheetrock and it not turn out great. So, you know, yeah. you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Yeah, sheetrock's tough. I mean, if the studs are crooked, if the stud, if the wall's wavy, it's wavy. That's right. You ain't fixing that with sheetrock, nope. you know. Nope. It's, you know, it's their thing to, to kind of make the joints go away and that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. So in that, in that regard, if you're, you know, you're watching DIY TV or whatever it is and they talk about sweat equity then it comes back down to this. How do you quantify the value of that time? If you're, if you are flipping a house and you sell it at the end, you could take the time you had in it, divide it by the profit that you made. That tells you what your time's worth. So for me, I look at, let's just take my house, for instance. I also believe this. I believe that everything, and I mean everything is either getting better or it's getting worse. Yeah. Okay. I don't believe anything stays the same. Everything's in constant, constant decay. Yep. Constant decay. So, People say your house is your biggest investment. Well, at the end of the day, it can be your biggest liability too. So when you look For at sure. when you look at your house, you look at the the things you need to do as far as maintenance and upkeep and those kind of things, then it can be your greatest asset. But we come back to this time management thing and how do you quantify that? So I started thinking about the time that I spent at my house doing the things that I do to keep it up, to improve it, and to make good on my investment. And I'm on a landscape and grading company, so it's really easy for me to look at stuff that I need to do yeah, in my yard, get out and, go, yard yeah. and go, okay, you know, I saved my family X number of dollars for, for me doing this. Yeah. Well, then I have to go, okay, let me think about this for a second. Did I take an hour of my time that I could have been doing that for somebody else? Or did I take an hour of time that I was going to be sitting on the couch anyway? Yeah. Okay. Two different things. It's two different things. Exactly. If you are looking at walking away from your job, taking a vacation week, you know, whatever, take two sick days to work on your house, then you got to be really careful because that may not be the best investment. But if you're taking a day that you were going to, you know, yeah, binge you, watch Netflix and you get up off the couch and you go do something productive in at your house, well, then you went from zero because that time was worth absolutely nothing. nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to now you've added some value to it. Now you're investing yeah. in your asset. You know, washing your car is the same way. Um, that You know, that the little red car I've got, okay, fun to drive. But you really have to spend more time yeah, cleaning yeah, it yeah. than you it's do. It's like an airplane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like you got some maintenance every time you take it out. That's and, exactly right. And if you neglect that stuff, well, then the value of your asset just, yeah. you know, it just tanks over time. Yeah, or it just leaves you stuck somewhere. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, using using your time and looking at, okay, am I, am I investing quality time in this product that I have, whether it's my house, a vehicle, a boat, 
a boat's another one that'll just yeah. eat. I know. I'm up. going through the boat now. I got a, we pulled our boat out and it's, I, I neglected it for so long. This is the year where it's like, okay, the seat's got to be redone. And I, I told Heather, I'm like, let's sell it. I'm like, well, we can't sell it the way it is. Nobody's going to buy it. I mean, I guess we could probably pretty much give it away or sell it for really cheap. Ah, you may be surprised. But it's like either we're going to, I'm going to spend three grand, redo the seats. And then I'm like, huh, I think I want to keep it now. Or, you know, the three grand that I spend on it would hopefully be a wash for what we sell it for versus what we'd sell it for now type of deal. But I'm right there with the boat. A boat is, you know, everybody talks about the boat's the worst investment. And it really is because, for one, they're in constant decay. If it's a fiberglass boat, the fiberglass has a lifespan on it. If it's a pontoon, which is what, like what we got, the vinyl's going to go away. Now, the better you t- take care of it, the better it's going to last, but it's still not going to last forever. Yeah. I mean, it's in the sun. You're on the lake. Um, you know, the motor, all, whatever. And then the amount of time that you use it for what you pay for that, like if I don't, I've never run the numbers on it, but I would hate to do that. Like you talking about the amount of, that you pay versus usage hours? Yes. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. Like they're probably, when I take a thing out, it's probably cost me like $400 an hour. Exactly. You know, a car is way better investment than that because you can use it way more. Right. You know, and cars last way longer, in my personal opinion. I mean, you never see any really old boats still around. No, unless, not, unless not they're totally island. redone. Yeah. And then somebody did it for a novelty. I mean, exactly. at that point, it's. Yeah. it's well, it's like old cars. It's to have an old car that Yeah, looks but like you don't have old car. boats like that. Not like that. Not a lot of them. No, I mean, nobody's like, oh, this is a 1969. I mean, you have the old wooden ones, the yeah. old wooden boats. That's the only ones you ever see that are redone. Yeah, by the time you hit like the mid to late 70s, yeah. you know, nobody's getting a tri-hole glass-tron no. with a no. 75 Johnson no, that thing's on it sitting and redoing in, it like brand new. It's sitting I mean. in some field right now with, <laughs> with hay growing around it. You know, you don't have like a... What year is your car? 92. Guaranteed. Well, not guaranteed, but there's probably nobody that's redone a 92 Tritune. Absolutely not. If they're out there on the lake, they look like they're a 92. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's not like a fully refurbished, nice. It's not like your car. Right. So then somebody has made that decision, just like yeah, what yeah. we're talking about. Okay. They decided, all right, I've got this asset that's, you know, declining rapidly. And the investment of my sweat equity is just really not worth it. So I'm going to ride the donkey till it breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what boats are. <laughs> yeah. The good thing about cars is I feel like they have this life cycle of, uh, it's almost like a bell curve, a upside down bell curve. You familiar with the bell curve is? Yes. So you usually have like a peak and then it kind of slumps off and does the same thing. Right. I feel like car values do the same thing. They start off high and it really depends on the car. If it's, if it's more collectible, the bell curve is not as deep. And actually, we'll, I, let me take that back. Which, which by Not, the way, is an interesting point because nobody nobody takes care of a two-year-old, three-year-old car because they think it's going to be worth something in 20 years. So it's kind of an, I yeah. think, in my opinion, Unless it's that's like a collector, unless you know it's a collector car. Yeah, but. You think about like, what's his name? It has the, what's the Mustang? The <clears throat> Shelby GT350. The, yeah, the uh, 66. <clears throat> No, no, the blue one he's got. The one Robbie's got the blue, new one. I think it will be that if he takes oh, care oh, of that oh, thing. Oh, the um, it's a it's a GT three thousand eighteen. Is it eighteen? Yeah, I think it's a three. I think it's a th- like a three fifty R or something. It's like the race version. Yeah. Doesn't have no back seats. Whatever. Right. That car hundred percent will be more th- if he takes if it if it just stays the condition it is right now. 
100% that car will be worth more in the future than it is today. Yeah. Or was when he bought it. Now, what it'll do, it goes back to the old bell curve part. I don't know what the price, the sticker price on them things are, but say it was 75000 bucks, and I don't even know if that's even close. But I have no idea. Say it's 75, two years in, it's going to drop to like, say, 50. Or maybe so we'll go eight years. Eight years in, it's down to 50. Well, then 9, 10, 11, 12, it coasts along. Well, then guess what happens? It starts to come back up. Right. You can't find them no more when they're harder to get, you know. And that thing will go, will continually go up until, you know, until people aren't interested anymore, which will be a long time. People, people buy Model A still. That's correct. And they're over 100 years old. They're still really popular. You know, a 32, I think a 32 Ford uh, Coupe is like the most popular. If you can find one, it's worth a ton of money. You just can't find them. I mean, just a shell of a body is worth 40,000 exactly. 40, bucks. Yeah, and everything. Everything yeah. you find is not in good shape. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a project. So then it goes back to this idea of investment of time. How do you how do you make that determination? How do you decide where to put your value? Those kind of things. Um, so talk about when you look at a project, and we'll just say the Bibster for instance. So you look at a project like the Bibster, and you even though the Bibster is not your business, it is part of it. So at the end of the day. Everything said and done, and I know you've done this a couple of times with with vehicles over the years, where you use it on the podcast or use it on your YouTube channel as you know part of the channel, right. and then you turn around and you end up selling a vehicle. How do you how do you how do you quantify that? So, um, I kind of think of it the the easiest way. There's two ways I do it. I think about it, and it really depends on the vehicle or what I'm doing. Um, I almost think of it as, you know, in business terms, the, it's just, uh, the cost of doing business. So in business terms, you know, uh, a track would be the same thing for you. Like when you buy a track you know, that that thing is going to make you more money in the time that it's used. And then in the end, you might flip it for maybe a little less, but it doesn't matter because it made you so much time the time you used it and then you buy a new one, right? Or right. whatever, you name the equipment. I almost look at the vehicles like that. You know, I, I kind of use them for the content, which is the billable hours is kind of the way you'd look at it Yep. on the equipment. And then when I sell it, I'm just like kind of recouping some money to move on to the next project. You know, the idea for me is not to necessarily make some money on the, on the flip itself, more on, okay, this piece of equipment is going to allow me to make X amount of content. Or in your eyes, would be billable hours. Right. Like my content is billable, hour, billable hours. The difference for me, though, is that I don't know exactly what I'm going to make. Like for you, you can say, uh, yeah, I'll do this drainage ditch. We're going to do this, that, and everything. It's going to cost you this much. And you know how long it's going to take you to do that. And then the, the price that you charge is going to be worth it for you. For me, sometimes I, it's a guesstimate. Because I don't know how much these videos are going to make, right? Does that right. make sense? I have an idea, but I guess none of it's guaranteed. I don't know. The beauty for me, though, is that potentially that video will make revenue forever. And I know forever is kind of a loose term. But, for instance, I'll give you a prime example. It's out there. It's not going away. I'll give you – This is. I just thought of this. This is a great, this is a great scenario. So what if, if somebody – if you price a job for somebody – 
And they're like, hey, why don't you do this drainage ditch here in my house, whatever. You're like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do it for X and say X is like one-tenth of what it would cost to normally do it. But I'm going to put a water meter on that thing. And all the water that runs through there, I want you to pay me from now and forever for all the water that goes through this ditch. That's a good game plan. I like that. That's kind of what the YouTube videos do for yeah. me, right? Because like I take a discount on the front end in hopes that I'll make money long-term on the back end. Right. So, I mean, you know, if I'm doing a project, half the time the stuff that I build, the Bibster, for instance, a lot of the stuff I buy, initially the videos don't pay for that stuff. But over the long-term, the hope is I'm going to get a lot of water running through there. All right, so same thing. Let's apply that to any business, really, especially from an entrepreneur standpoint. It always costs more time on the front end than you hope it's going to cost on the back end. Yeah. And for me, just like we're talking about, that investment of time is not necessarily an hours to dollars. I'm investing in a machine. And I want to put the right pieces in the right place at the right time so that at some point in time, this machine will do it without me. Yeah. And when I look at investment of time, for me, that's the most important thing. And go back to what I said earlier, I need margin to make those, those kind of decisions. If I don't, then I look at something that needs to be done and I just go do it. Yeah, it's money scared. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of people get stuck in that trap of being money scared. You know, I think a lot of people that maybe want to do big things as an entrepreneur won't ever step outside of their daily job for that exact reason. I believe another reason is they don't have enough margin and money to do well, that, so. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If, if you're, yeah, if, if you're punching a, a clock. If they had a savings, they'd be like, screw you, I'm going to go start this thing. I believe in myself. Yep. if yep. you're punching a clock, and it's eight to five and you get a paycheck every month or whatever it is. And you're, you're basically, you know, paycheck to paycheck, even if it's not quite that tight, if you don't get to a point where you have three, six, eight months worth of revenue. Yeah. And believe in yourself. Uh, yes. Then you're never going to take that. You're never going to yeah. take that leap. You're See, I think that's leap. why, you know, the last week me and Jared did a podcast on, uh, start a legit business for under 200 bucks. Not a side hustle. And I guess they are kind of side hustles, but a scalable business. I mean, you could kind of potentially do that in your, in your world because you could go rent a piece of equipment for under 200 bucks. You could like sell the job. That's what I did. That's yeah. how I started. So like you could sell the job because, you know, everything I talk about is digital because that's all I know. Yeah. But you could do that where, you, where you're at. You could basically go sell the job. You know, you're talking to somebody at church. Man, I got this problem where our bank's washing away, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, hey, let me come look at it. You look at it, you're like, yeah, I could fix that. No problem. It's going to cost, you know, we're going to bring in some rock. We're going to do this. It's going to cost about 15 grand. And they're like, oh, man, let's do it. You know, the quotes I had was 25 or I believe in you or whatever the yeah. case is. You're like, cool. Give me half down. Yep. Give me 7000 bucks. You go rent the equipment from your local... You know, I guess you have to know how to operate it. That's the one key Correct. thing, yeah, right? you definitely do need to know that. And then you just take those profits and move on. And technically, that could be a side hustle because it could be like a Saturday deal. You could be working all week. And if you have any kind of knowledge around what you do, yeah, you'd which, be like, yeah, I could do that on a Saturday, Sunday type of deal. Which that's really how I made that, made that turn. You know, I went from being a grass cutting company to, you know, people who we couldn't cut their grass because they have water issues. Well, I just said... I'm, I can fix this. I'm, yeah. you know, physics really clicked with me. Uh, probability and statistics did too. Yeah. So those things just kind of 
for whatever reason, they look like colors. Like yeah. You can see it. I, it's it's simple to me. So I did the same thing where, you know, okay, you've got this water issue. You can fix this water issue. And then I got to a point where, you know, renting kind of started eating up profit. Uh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I basically was just booking time doing that kind of work just like I was cutting grass. And when I really made the switch is when I, you know, went and bought that first piece of equipment, really the first two pieces. Like of my equipment. payments can be way less than my rental cost. Way, way less. Yeah. Way less. But at that point, I had done enough that I was like, okay, you're confident. This, yeah, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna happen. And more importantly, I had enough margin to where I could make those payments without having to have a successful business. Yeah. And for me, that was huge. So I call it staying safe. So I wanted to stay safe. It's confidence, building I, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So had a, had, you know, and, and we're talking about two different gigs that I have. I have two part-time jobs kind of, but I wanted to live under the means of the one that was more um, stable at the time so that if something did fall apart, then I could at least still make those payments. And and that's where I go back to margin. Like that margin in in money is really what allowed me to to be able to do that. Yeah. Like a couple, a rental house deal, a, a flip of a house. and You're some just of those, experimenting. Yeah, yeah. Some, some of those kind of things. But you can't do that, number one, if you don't have margin in your finance, which is a whole yeah. other subject. So, I mean, I guess... Those, there are a lot of people smarter than me talk about that. But for me, it's about... What I wanted to focus on today was this this idea of margin of time and how do you put value on it. And what are you investing your time in? Um, investing your time in your job is important. Investing your time in your assets is important. But investing your time in your family and creating enough margin. Where you can do that. And we're at an age now yeah. where, you know, they're aging parents and those kind of things. So you end up doing this side hustle thing to yeah. the point that you really don't have any time to do anything. Your family's mad all the time. You know, something happens to your grandma or your mama and you're yeah. having to pay somebody else to do whatever it is because you just don't have enough margin yeah. to do that. So I think we're, we're at that age too where it feels like we're topping the hill. You recognize that? Like now we're starting to see the other side of things. Yeah. Stuff when we were kids, our parents would say, or our grandparents would say, and it is like when, when it went in one ear and out the other, and we didn't think nothing about it. Now you, we're like topping that hill where we can see over the other side and we're like, ah. Well, I think I, I told this story before. I was playing guitar at a place with an old dude and we were chit chatting. And of course, I'm young and can do my thing yeah. and feel very calm. Pretty confident in most things I do. And you don't I, know I, what you I, don't I know, that guy. And he said, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And the older I get, the more that resonates. Yeah, because you can't see over that hill you until can't. you get to the top. You can't. All right, so me, we're going to take a break real fast, but I want to sum up this because I think it really, you know, we talk a lot about side hustles and this and that and the other thing. And I think it gets lost in, you know, all the people that are talking about side hustles and whatever, right? But I think the key takeaway from this podcast in particular is that you know, you you got to do something a little bit on the side. It's going to do two really big things for you. You're going to gain confidence. You know, every win you stack on top of each other gains confidence where you can then step away from your current job. Right. Because you're going to need that confidence. It's scary as hell just to quit just because you got money. Right? Yeah. You got you to gotta build some wins. The other thing is when you're building those wins, you're also building a little margin, which is what you're talking about. And that little margin is going to help you. It gives you leverage over the situation. You know, when, you, when you're job scared or your money scared, when you're like, I'm not going to be able to make this payment, it kind of changes the way you 
view how you're going to take jobs or what you're going to do. And the time management part's like, no, I got to take the job I got to do right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it myself. Versus if you had margin, you'd be like, no, I'll, I'll hire so-and-so to do that job. Margin gives you the ability to take risk. Yes. And, and yes. And it gives you the ability to assess that risk and whether or not it's worth pursuing or yeah. not. And that's really, if I wanted to preach anything to the world, it is that. It is margin. Margin in finances. Yep. Margin in time. Education. Margin, yes. Margin and education. Yes. I guess that sums it up. So you got to go get wins. Do a side, and I hate the word side hustle, but do something that, that builds your confidence. Go get some wins. Create some margin, whether that's education, finance, whatever. And that'll allow you to step out of where you're at and into what you want to do. All right, we'll be right back. Let's face it, shopping for insurance can be time consuming. When it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust your Allstate experts. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves money, sure, but it also saves you time. So you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact Clemson Allstate agent Shane Smith at 864-654-1047 today for a free personalized insurance proposal. Allstate, are you in good hands? All right, we're back. We kind of left off on time management, and Brad had alluded a little bit to family. So I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. Let uh, Let me tell you a little story about myself there real quick. So, you know, what kind of really got me thinking about time management in the way of money and that's really what I want you guys to think about too is like not just like scheduling on the calendar but like is what you're doing worth what you're doing correct like what are you what's your worth that's what you were saying value what's your value so one of the things I you know I, I, I think one of the biggest issues I have personally is that I like to do a lot of stuff myself I'm um, just that guy like I want to do it all myself I'm cheap like I don't want to spend any money I'm like oh, I can just do that and what I've kind of learned, even though I still struggle with it, is though even though I can do it, doesn't mean I need to be doing it. And as a matter of fact, even if it doesn't get done quite as well as it would be if I did it, it's maybe better that it still gets done by somebody else. Um, and I was telling Brad off, off, you know, off the podcast that I've struggled with this for years because, you know, there was a time where I would, I got to where I would evaluate. Uh, what I was spending on something to be done. Um, how long, how many videos would it take me to pay for that? So this is like the YouTube terms for me, right? Right. So the way I would look at it is like, I don't know. I needed uh, I needed a roof put on my house. And you know, I don't because I wouldn't do a roof. Um, I don't know. Try to think of something I would do myself. Some landscaping would probably be a prime example. I just need some borders put in or whatever. And I get a quote and it was like, you know, 1500 bucks, let's say. I'm like, man, I could spend, you know, six hours, eight hours plus materials to do that. But would, would it be better for me to do that or to go in the shop and make a couple of videos? They could then make me the same 1500 bucks that it would cost me to have that done. And those videos that I would make that I, that, you know, would make me the 1500 bucks also would live forever. And potentially make me more. It goes and back grow to grow your brand. It helps yeah, grow it go, your brand. goes back to that potential. You know, for me, it's potential. Like not all videos do well, but some do really well. And so it's like you want the potential of that to work. So I could spend my time uh, to do some edging around my house, 
with no no potential other than me being satisfied with how it looks when it's done. Right. Right. Or give fifteen hundred bucks to somebody else and me going to shop and do some work that has that can maybe maybe I know if I made five videos, four videos, whatever, it'd make me a thousand bucks. All right. So it's not the fifteen hundred, but it has unlimited potential long term to then maybe surpass that fifteen hundred dollar mark. All right. We talked about family a little bit. So let's let's throw this into the equation. Let's say you could spend you could spend that uh, that eight hours or ten hours with Heather, yeah, doing the project together. Well, and at the end of the day, you you both walk. You know, every time yeah, yeah. you drive in the driveway, so it brings different. up these. You know, yeah. so this goes back to what that's kind of a different perspective. It kind of goes back to the whole doing like the shop myself. Like it wasn't worth it money wise, but the things that I learned in that scenario were worth it which that's the same deal with heather the time that i spent with her doing it would be worth it to me even though there's not a dollar value on that time right 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 and i think i bring that up because i want to talk about family a little bit i want to talk about this this team environment and making sure that you're not trying to be the lone ranger for your family, but you're leading your family through a process. Yeah. And everybody needs to be on board. I couldn't be where I am today if my wife had not worked very, very hard. As a matter of fact, early in my church uh, career and even later in my church career, she has always made more money than me. And, you know, at the there were times that, that I struggled with that. But she knew that she was a part of what I was doing. Yeah. Like that was part of it. And and if you're if you're somebody out there and you're, you know, punching a clock eight to five and you're looking to start a side hustle and you're looking to, you know, maybe do something for yourself or your family, you know, I encourage you to create some create some opportunities to talk about that at home and to get get your wife in, involved. And yeah. You yeah. her to be a part of that because at the end of the day, if you're going to create margin in your time, your family needs to create margin in your finances for you to be able to do that. And if you can, you know, come up with this this plan that you agree on, this thing that you you both agree on that you're good at, and you also have both of you that are willing to put a timeline to it and say, okay, I'm willing to do this so that you can do this. Yeah. That ultimately we can get to this spot. Yeah. And if you if you create margin in your finances and your time, guess what? It's going to give you a lot more time to spend with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Right? In the end. Now, the key to that, though, you know, it's kind of the whole retirement thing. It's like you work your entire life till you're 65. Now, like, I think it'll be 70 before long. You won't be able to, you know. Do you work that entire time then to only enjoy the latter years of your life? No, because no, you want to do that early and as fast as you can, right? Like you're talking about, you want to you want to build margin and leverage early, so yeah. then you can spend time with your family while you're young enough to travel and do all the things. Yeah, I, I'm. I have no desire to hike Mount Everest. <laughs> okay, just don't. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I guess it'd be cool to say I did that, but I really have no desire to yeah, do yeah. that. But if my lifelong dream were to do that. The idea of working until I could retire to go do that would be ridiculous. Yeah, because you'd be out of shape. Yeah, you'd be, yeah, yeah all you, the things. You yeah. couldn't do it. And same thing with your family. Like, you know, when I talk about creating margin in time, one of the things you have to be careful of, you know, just like I talked about, are you are you taking time away from your job to work on this remodel or are you taking time off the couch? 
you have to make sure that you are managing this well. Because when I talk about margin in time, you can't just take away family time and go do something You're else. Right. Because at the end of the yeah. day, that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. For and I struggle with this. I'll be honest. I, I, I don't know that I neglect my family. Um, but I, I oh, can we put it like this? I don't think I neglect my family time wise. I think I neglect my family mentally though. So the things that are run through my brain 24 hours a day are like work and this and that. And and usually has nothing to do with family. I try to like make myself spend some time with them, but that's not mentally what's going on. Even when I'm with them, sometimes it's like, all I'm thinking about is the next thing or what I got to do or, you know, whatever. And so I struggle with it. It's a tough thing for me, but I get it. I understand that I need to figure that out. And I will tell you this too, and this goes back to the exact point that you've been making the whole time is like, if I had more margin, I, it'd be easy for me to do. I didn't want to say it, but I'm just yes. not quite as, I'm just not, and maybe my, maybe my goals are too lofty. And, and see, for me, I get these reminders from my wife over time yeah. that are like, you know, the little nudge, the yeah. text message or whatever. And I realize that, okay, even though I'm physically present, I'm not spiritually, emotionally, or mentally yeah, yeah. present. And I struggle with that. But, because I have the weight of all of this stuff yeah. that's on me. So I go, okay, I need more margin. For me, that may mean that I need to sit on the couch instead of going and doing whatever I was talking about investing time in because I need that mental... Uh, that mental wash. Yeah, I need to get to a point where I'm not thinking about everything, so I can think about something. Yeah, and that's a good thing to do because you got to clear, you got to clear the noise sometimes it, to absolutely. think clearly. You have to clear the noise. Yeah, and and having a having a teammate, a helpmate through that, and yeah, you know, I think a lot of guys feel like you know it's my responsibility to. Number one, provide for my family yeah. to make sure that if my wife wants to stay home, she can stay home or what, you know. I will tell you ladies that are listening, if there's any of them out there, we're different animals, obviously. I mean, most people know that, but that's a heavy weight that most guys carry. Me personally, I do this. I mean, I'm like that. Like to me, when things get slow or whatever, like it instantly hits me like I got to provide. I need to figure something else out. I got to figure the new thing out or do this or more of that or whatever, right? And Heather's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, let's just cook some steaks and eat dinner, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, the hardest pill to swallow is your family just wants you. Exactly. And they, all I want to do is provide for them. I, and, but yeah. they would rather... Just have me, yeah. They would rather have you. It's funny that you say that because... It's funny you said that because we just talked about it today and I'm like, I get that. I get that you just want me here. And we'll worry about that later. But I'm like, what if we wait? What if that... If we would push that down the road too long and then we can't and then you know we're feeling the pain later on because whatever yeah yeah well and that's why i talk about margin that's why i say you know margin is the most should, margin should be the goal yeah and your time is your greatest resource yeah that, that you yeah. have so you need to protect that and yep. by, by that it it comes down to your you know your family management and you know do you decide to do something in the yard when you could be doing videos, but you're going to miss an opportunity to spend time with your family? Yeah. And so anyway, all of that, I say all of that to say this, when you look at 
time management. When you look at managing the most precious resource you have, you don't want to neglect the reason that you're struggling with all this in the first place, which right. for most of us is our, is our it's family. Time. Yeah, it's time. I want, I want time with my family. Yeah. I want them to have the stuff that we want to do to have fun. I want them to be able to you right. know, have the things they want to have. But at the end of the day, if that becomes more important yeah. than time, then you've, you've, missed, you've missed the boat. And there are a lot of guys who sit alone, lonely, yeah. because they had the best intentions on the front end. They got carried away. Yeah. 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 You know, and it comes down to more money will buy you time. More time can help you make money. It's the balance, right? It's the, because, you know, some people are like, oh, more money will give me time. But they never, they make so much money and never spend the time. Or, or they they focus on that so much that they have all of this time and nobody to enjoy it with. Yeah, you're right. Cool. This has been a good one. Appreciate you, Brad. Thanks for letting me in. I was like, I'm so used to saying Jared. Thanks, Brad, for coming and filling in for Mr. Jared. <laughs> I'm sure Jared will be back next week. Jared, I hope you listen to this and I uh, hope you all are having he a good time. He's going to be checking in on us. That's right. I right, appreciate it. See y'all. See you.